Well, hello, everybody. I was thinking about doing uh, the sermon today in Spanish, but um, decided that I'll I'll wait. Uh, you guys already have a hard enough time understanding. All right, Matthew chapter sixteen. Matthew 16, I'm going to jump right in if that's okay. I have a feeling, I felt it all morning, uh, that I'll just be straight with you, um, that some people in this room need freed up. Yep, I feel it. Um, I have a feeling that today is going to be a new day for a lot of us. Um, and uh, I'm so excited about it. I want to make sure that we have time at the end uh, to be able to do business, so to speak. Um, and I'll just say this right at the beginning. I, I, know, I don't know what kind of culture you're from if you've not really been a part of a church before or you've been a part of a church. Um, and a lot of times at the end, uh, there'll be this time of reflection uh, we sometimes even invite you up for prayer. Um, we'll sometimes sing a, a final song to just really reflect on what we just learned or what we were just challenged with. Um, and I want, I want today to be a little bit different. And I, again, regardless of whatever church culture you came from, here's my desire. Is that by the end of today, if you're willing, that you would, for a moment, that you would make a sanctuary, an altar of your space. Um... Like, for, for many of you, if you feel comfortable, I want to invite you to, to literally come up and just bow and pray. Um, you're welcome to fill this whole front space. Maybe for you, you feel more comfortable just standing up, turning around, getting on your knees, and making your pew an altar. Uh, maybe some of you need to come pray with um, one of the leaders here, or, or maybe something along those lines. Some, some type of mixture of that, but I just want to encourage you that, that I want to make a space for you to do that. Um, it is a heavy message, but it's a freeing message, and I'm really excited about what God's going to do today. Um, but first, um, how was last week? Was it awesome? So fun. Thank you. That was really weak. You know, if Jordan was insecure at all, he'd be like, wow, it was, yeah, it was great. <laughs> I heard nothing but amazing things. We're super grateful to Jordan for uh, taking the responsibility, uh, which at times is fun and at times is a heavy responsibility uh, to go before you and, and to share from your heart. Uh, it's actually, I'd argue, it's like one of the hardest things. Not only to hold people's attention for 45, 50 minutes, but to actually give them some type of peace and hope. But as Pastor Cameron just shared or prayed that it's not about us. It's this moment like we want to be so invisible that this moment you don't see the person, you see the message. Uh, you actually see the word, which is the message, which is Jesus Christ. And we want you to be challenged by that. We want to be changed by that. If you're here today, if this is your first time, like you need to know that you are so welcome to be here. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're struggling with, you're so welcome to be here. Uh, but you got to understand, too, that every single person in this room, like, Jesus doesn't, like, he loves us so much. He doesn't want us to stay who we are. He wants us to be more like him. And so he's going to, at times, bend us. And at times, it's going to feel like he's breaking us. He's going to show us things that make us more like him. Um, this morning, we start our new series. It's called Not Today, Satan. Not Today, Satan. It's like you can almost, you can't say it unless you're saying it with, like, conviction. Like, not today, Satan. Um, it's this moment of, of not necessarily challenging uh, the evil one. Because I don't even want to necessarily give him any credit. Any limelight. No, no like credit goes to him. Uh, but what this, is, what this really is about is staking a claim for the name of Jesus. And so this eight week series we're going to walk through 
Uh, we're gonna, each week is going to be different. Um, and, and here's what some of the things that we're going to cover. Uh, so if it's not today, Satan, and, and the, the, the tagline is staking a claim in the name of Jesus, you're doing this on behalf of the relationships in your life. This is simply a, a series on relationships. So week one today is not my house. Not my house. Not today, Satan. Not today. And so it's this idea of, of you could get a mental picture of standing in front of your home, on your porch, on your roof, or whatever you got to do, and stand in front of your house. And you're saying, not today, Satan. Everybody in this home, my wife, or in your case, husband, or your kids, or maybe you live alone, you're basically saying, the heart, the heart, the head, the, the place you reside, the environment you live in, not my house. You're staking a claim in the name of Jesus. And it's this powerful declaration for us as believers that we don't have to be defeated. That we're not victims, guys. And at times, and again, I've been there, and I've been there a lot this year. In my own mind, in my own heart, defeated or feeling like I can't get through, I can't push through, that I'm a victim to my circumstance or my reality or my thoughts or my discouragement. And that is such a lie. It is such a lie. And Jesus wants to expose that this morning in his word. Um, some of the other weeks, uh, in fact, uh, since we're talking about not my house, what is inside of the house is a lot of times is our family. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be doing uh, not my kids. Not my kids, Satan. Not today. Um, and so it's two weeks, or two weeks on talking about uh, how we're claiming the name of Jesus over our kids. Two weeks. Pastor Cameron's going to be uh, one of those weeks, and I'll be one of those weeks. It's about praying around your kids and dreaming with your kids. So it's just this idea, again, of staking a claim in the name of Jesus. And then uh, we've got uh, not my uh, mom, because uh, it's Mother's Day, and that seemed appropriate, right? Uh, Katie's going to be sharing that week. It's going to be a, an amazing uh, Mother's Day. And then uh, we're going to hit Not My Friends, uh, which has a lot to do with uh, social media and the platforms that we are in every day of our life. Um, and then we're going to hit three weeks on marriage, uh, Not My Marriage. And even in those three weeks, we're going to actually uh, hit those that are single, uh, not actually hit you, but uh, talk about the situation, whether you're, whether you're single or divorced or, um, or a single parent or like that, that perspective, that uh, direction that you're coming from. We want to address that. We want to talk about that. We want to encourage you. We want to give you this, 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 this stake to claim in the name of Jesus. Um, so we want to empower you. We want to motivate you. But ultimately, we want to dive into uh, God's word this morning. But that gives you some of an idea of where we're going when we say, not today, Satan, staking a claim in the name of Jesus. This message is two things. It's a pep talk. It's a pep talk to ourselves. And it's also a prayer to God. It's a pep talk to ourselves. And it's also a prayer to God. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he says, in this world... You're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have hard times. There's going to be things that come at you at every direction. But take heart. Take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Guys, listen. This morning, you are coming from victory. We are more than conquerors. You're not coming from this spot of like, man, we're going to be the, we're the underdogs. We're going to hopefully the last minute come back and we're going to win this thing. Guys, listen. I don't know if you read the end. But we win. And I don't know if you've read or heard the gospel recently, but you're forgiven. I don't know if you've thought about this lately or sing about it recently, but you're loved. Regardless of where you're at, what you've done, what's been done to you, Jesus has declared you free. Whether you're man, woman, child, old, young, whatever it is. Whatever color, whatever, every, anything. Like literally, you come challenge me after. Come challenge me. Is there anything that can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. He's declared you free. And if you, just, if you would just allow that freedom, if you would just allow that freedom into your life, if you could stake a claim in the name of Jesus, everything would change. Jesus challenges us all throughout the New Testament. The Old Testament is this build up, this build up that there's a battle raging. And it feels like we're losing. 
It feels like we've lost at times. We are not losing. We have won. The war, it is finished. Our sins are forgiven. Jesus is risen. Death has been conquered. There's this amazing correlation, uh, which we don't have a whole lot of time to get to, but in Hebrews it talks about, Hebrews chapter 2, it correlates uh, the fear of death and the sting of death with the evil one, with Satan. It correlates those two. When death was defeated, Satan was defeated. And so you as the believer, you're actually indwelled by the Holy Spirit. When you have received Jesus as your Savior, if you've asked him to save you, if you've repented of your sins, and you're a follower of Jesus, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you, so it's not just some punk kid or some little yippy dog saying, not today, Satan. You are filled with the, king, the power of the King of Kings, the Spirit of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords inside of you to say, not today, not today. And honestly, Satan, like today, we'll, we'll get to the other stuff, but today, not my house. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. Woo! Okay. I'm excited. So we are at, um, you're at Matthew chapter 16. And before we get there, um, again, I'm, I'm the preacher that's known for the longest intros in the history of mankind. But I'll get there. But I felt like it was important for us to hit this first. That the power of the name of Jesus, staking a claim in the name of Jesus, that's where the power comes from. It's not our ability to say no or yes. It's not our ability to just be disciplined and show up in church and give your tithe and serve and be nice and kind. That's not, actually, that might get you somewhere, but that leads to a dead end if it's empty, if it's not filled with Christ in the name of Jesus. Staking a claim in the name of Jesus is about actually saying his name, living his name, breathing his name, talking about him, thinking about him, spending time with him, being filled with the joy of Jesus. All those other things are just an overflow of Jesus. Uh, I sat right here uh, on week 10 of our code series. Our code series was, uh, we walked through our 10 core values. Um, if you're wondering uh, why uh, the back looks more like a laundry um, pile than anything, like those shirts represented each one of our core values. Um, and on code 10, uh, we, we repeated code 1. Code 1 was? Guys, we spent 10 weeks on this. What is it? Yes, Jesus is everything. Week 10, code 10 was Jesus is everything still. He's the alpha, the omega. That week, Pastor Cameron walked us through what that looks like, what that sounds like, and the power of the name of Jesus. And um, I remember sitting there thinking, man, oh man, when we get to week one of not today, Satan, I've got to play this part uh, of Pastor Cameron's message um, so I would just like you to take a minute, uh, actually about three minutes, and just listen to what Pastor Cameron had to say. Whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a million written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, and he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. 
Um, today, I think some of you need to start with calling on the name of Jesus. Just saying his name. Not sure where to go. Not sure what to think. Not sure what to do. Start there. Call on the name of Jesus. Um, Jeremiah 33, 3 uh, says, um, call unto me, and I will answer you. And I'm going to show you great and mighty things that you don't know. So many of us think we know, or think we know what's going to happen, or like we can dream, or wish, or hope for what's going to happen. But he invites us to this moment, he invites us into this place where we can call on his name, call on him, and he's going to show you things that you don't know. You don't know it. And sometimes, like, we're, we're stuck, and then we call on the name of Jesus. And then we discover, oh, I should have done that first. I should have done that first. So I've been teaching my children, um, trying to teach them, like, old sayings, uh, and where they come from and what they mean, like, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That took, like, an hour to explain. Um, but the one... Uh, I want to talk about today is staking a claim. What, who talks like that? Like, I've even said it like five times already, and nobody was like, what? Like, you may know what that means, but where does that saying come from? To stake a claim in the name of Jesus. What is staking a claim? So this is how it worked. Uh, this obviously probably happened many places with property ownership all throughout the world. But specifically what I found was that in the mid-1800s or in that entire century, when there was new land to be claimed, they would literally stake a claim to that land. Especially when it came to the gold rush uh, out west, like there'd be just that. There'd be this rush to get to a spot, to get to a place. And imagine, if you would, just like a person running over as far as they can go until they see maybe another stake where someone else has already claimed that territory. And they put a stake in the ground. Okay? And then, ow, that hurt. I hit my thumb. Um, and then they run as fast as they can this way because they want to get the territory, the place that they're claiming as large as they can so that they can find more gold or own more property. So then they come to the other side, the other corner. Sorry, I won't hurt you, I promise. And they put another stake in the ground. And then whether it's a, a, a square space or a weird, odd shape, because nobody in this room probably has a perfectly square yard. They have a funny-shaped yard. So they go to the other corner, and they find, and they stake a claim. And they're saying... This right here is mine. Like, that's legit. How awesome would that be? To just put a stake of claim in the ground and it's yours. But that's actually how it worked back then. I remember hearing a story about um, my wife's family. Um, they own this small little uh, island. It's just this rustic little rock island on this beautiful lake in Ontario. And I remember hearing this story. It's always, I think about it all the time about how uh, her grandfather and his friend, they just got out of the war, and to like reward these guys, they either gave them a lump sum of money or they gave them uh, property uh, ownership, like they gave them an opportunity to stake a claim. And him and his buddy, right, it was two of them, they, two or three of them, they, swam, they jumped in the water and they swam to this island, this beautiful place, a long time ago, and they're like, 
This is mine. Today, you have territory. In the name of Jesus, you have freedom. You have ownership. You have inheritance. You have mercy and grace and bravery and courage and hope and forgiveness and peace and patience and kindness and all the fruit that comes with the Spirit. You have all of that in your territory. You have staked the claim. Christ has staked the claim for you. But there are times in your life, and I'm praying that today, sorry, I don't mean to point this at you. Um, there are times, like today, where you need to run to the corner, or you need to say, this is mine. In the name of Jesus, this area is mine. There's no reason to be frustrated. There's no reason to be mad. There's no reason to feel like I need to control this. There's no reason why I need to harbor unforgiveness. What's wrong with me? I live in a place of freedom. I live in the place Jesus is living inside of me, and I'm still struggling with that sin. Get out of here. Not today, Satan. This is my yard. This is my place. And you need to do the same. And I know I'm getting hyped up about it, but this is essentially the word of God calling to you freedom, hope, stake, a claim in the name of Jesus. One of the most powerful words in the world is yes. One of the most powerful words in the world is yes. When you stake a claim, you're saying, yes, this is mine, yes. But the other word that's one of the most powerful words in the world is no. No is just as powerful but no takes double the power to say it. You see, in our culture, it's, it's especially in our walk with God, in this life of sin, in this life of difficulty, it's really easy to just go with the flow, to fall into the motions, to just kind of go stagnant in your faith, to not claim new ground in the name of Jesus. It's easy to just say, yeah, I'll just do whatever. Whatever the Lord gives me. This little area right here, like, yeah, sure. Today is the day that you use that double power to say not today. So when I'm claiming, when I'm claiming my ground, I'm saying yes. But to you all in the property analogy, I'm saying no. You know, you're out there. Me, yes, I'm in here. And some of you need, today need to say, Satan, not today. This is where you stop. And today, my challenge to you, not my house. Not my house. Not anybody in it. Don't touch them. Don't talk to them. Don't even step foot in my yard. You got no place here in the name of Jesus because that conduit, that stake that you're putting into the ground is Jesus. Not your muscles. Not your discipline, not your hard work, not your spiritual disciplines, not how much you give to the church, not how much you show up, not how kind you are, not your witness, nothing other than the name of Jesus. Because when the devil sees all those other things, all that discipline, or oh, well, you go to church, that's cute. Oh, you're giving that money, that's cute. Oh, you're serving. You got in that cute little food truck and you gave out snow cones. That's cute. But when he sees Jesus... When he sees Jesus, he can't go past it. He can't come in. This is why you need to call on the name of Jesus. Let him live inside of you. Let him transform you. Let him change you. And say, not today, Satan. Because if you don't have Jesus, I would not challenge you to do that. I would not challenge you to do that. But by all means, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, stake a claim. Okay, okay. Matthew 16, verses 21. From that time, this is Jesus having a conversation with his disciples. He's, he's nearing the end of his life. He says, it says that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes. And, what does it say? And be killed. Probably not 
an easy message for his followers to see or hear that Jesus is going to be killed. We know how the story goes, but the disciples, they didn't. They thought this was like out of order. This is like, what? Like you're going to, they ain't going to kill you. <clears throat> and on the third day to be raised, which they're even more confused about that. But to be killed and to be on the third day raised. And Peter, Peter, we love Peter, right? Peter's just got, he's the most reactive human being ever. That's why I love him. Like, uh, Jesus gets arrested. Peter jump, pulls out a sword and chops the soldier's ear off. Like, Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's like, ooh, let me try, let me try, let me hold it, let me try. Like, right? Peter's, like, his enthusiasm, his reaction is always so good. And here it seems like, the, it's something I would say. I'd be like, he, so he pulls Jesus aside. And this is what he says. Peter took aside and he began to rebuke Jesus. <laughs> rebuke, how's that going to go, bro? Like, you're going to confront Jesus. You're, you're mad at God. Tell me how that goes. That conversation is going to just go awesome for you. Um, so he rebukes Jesus saying, far be it to you, Lord. <laughs> I love it. Are you guys with me? Are you excited about it? He's like, far be it to you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You know, there's this moment, too, where he rebukes Jesus, but he, it's almost, I can almost imagine him grabbing Jesus by the shoulder. He'd be like, I will never, ever let them kill you. And Jesus, being kind and gentle, says, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I love this. Get behind me, Satan. Who is Jesus talking to? Get behind me, Satan. Who is Jesus? Not a trick question. Who is Jesus talking to? Who, like, who was he talking to? Peter. He was talking to Peter. Now, I don't think we need to dive... 400 feet deep on the theology behind this, and he wasn't now making Peter Satan. He was just a figure of speech. Why? He explains it. He explains himself. Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God. He calls them out. Like, all that I've taught you, all that I've brought you through, your mind right now is, you're, you're on like the things about man, not the things about heaven. What are you doing? You're worried about my life, like my heart. You're worried about my heart stopping and me taking my last breath here. You think that's it. You think, you think today, you, know, you think you're like, you think this is it? You think this is it? Like it's Earth Day, right? Great Earth. Love it. It's amazing. Lord, you did an amazing job. But this is it? Like this is it? No, it's not. And what Jesus is saying is to that end, this isn't it. He's like, let your mind. For you are now setting your mind on the things of, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Ephesians 3, verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not the things on earth. Isaiah 56 says that my, God says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are his ways our ways. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, <laughs> he, it's actually in the context of David and how they completely missed him. And they call out David's heart. It says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Don't, we cannot think for a moment that we got to figure it out. Even in staking our claim in the name of Jesus and saying, not today, Satan. That's a sign of submission to the powerful name of Jesus rather than it is a taunting name to Satan. But he's calling out Peter in this moment to say, not today because his mind was so focused on this life so focused on today he missed the point um, being consumed with himself he 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 actually it was peter like satan just satan didn't just like appear in that moment but peter was speaking Peter, like the very, like just a few verses earlier, Jesus says, Peter, you're the rock by which I'm going to build the church on. And like the rest of that day didn't go very well because he calls him Satan. Like it didn't go so well. Peter got in the way. He was the, he was the enemy in this moment. His, his mindset, his attitude 
That was the enemy in the moment. Um, I'll never forget uh, when I was probably about fifth grade, um, I went to this camp in Illinois, and uh, they had, this camp was super fun. They didn't have a whole lot of things to do, but they had a pool. And in Illinois in the summer, you need a pool. And you know what they had at this pool? It was a huge pool. You know what they had? They had a high dive. Any high divers in the room? No? I'm not talking like Olympic, like do the, I'm just talking like, no? High dive, do they do this in New York? You guys have pools here. The summer, you know what I'm talking about? Anyways, so they have, they have two diving boards. They have a regular diving board that's just a few feet off the water. And then they have a high dive where when in fifth grade, like I thought this was like as tall as the ceiling. I was terrified. I'm still to this moment terrified of heights, terrified. And um, I'll never forget, there might have been a girl that I was trying to impress. Uh, but overall, I was trying to gain up the courage to prove to everyone that I had the courage to jump off the high dive, right? And um, there was this kid, um, it was the first person I met uh, that had my name. Uh, his name was obviously Corey, and um, carry the one. So, his name, sorry, I'm a little slow, so I have to convince myself. So his name was Corey, and he was, he was somewhat, he was kind of a jerk. And I'm like, you don't deserve the name, Corey, because you're a jerk. And he's taunting me. He's like challenging me. And never forget, I'm like walking up the ladder. It's like a straight up ladder. Like this again, this is before insurance and stuff like that. This is you had to climb a straight up ladder to get to the top. And I'm like shaking, right? And everything's wet. And I'm just like scared to death and I slowly get to the, like you hold the banister and then it like ends and you got to go like five more feet and you're like, ah. <laughs> right? And I'm creeping right to the end and I get right to the edge. And everybody that I want to impress is down there. And I got the courage to get this far. All I got to do is let gravity <laughs> take place. <laughs> and there's taunting and there's fear. And then the worst thing that could happen, happened. <laughs> the worst thing in the world, and maybe you've experienced it as well, the worst thing happened. Toe cramp. <laughs> like I'm having this toe cramp trying to grip the board. I ain't going to do no spring or nothing. I'm just going to like fall off. Like, hopefully feet first. There's so much happening. And then, like, my foot's doing, like, one of these. And, like, I'm like, ah! <laughs> this is so fun, right? And I don't remember what happened after that. I, I know I eventually jumped in, and it was like, yay! But I remember being, like, no one, no, no one clapped. It wasn't like a movie. Windy Peppercorn wasn't up on the lifeguard stand. None of that, Okay? I simply remember just being so mad at myself. Like, you had this moment, and you had a toe cramp. It's the worst feeling ever. Sometimes, we get the courage to do what we're supposed to do. But we, we get in the way. Sometimes, sometimes the enemy, our own worst enemy, is us. Sometimes our actions or our attitudes, or in this case for Peter, his words was the enemy. I use the analogy for today being not my house, Satan, not today. And I use the analogy of like being up on the roof or the porch or whatever. And if you're like, yeah, I'm going to protect my house. Like your family may be like, yep, he's on the roof. He's, let's just keep him there. Then we're good to go. Like he's the enemy. Let's keep him up there out of the way. Sometimes... We are the culprit in our own home, holding our family back, holding everyone, or us, everyone of us, everyone around us from freedom. Maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe we're not doing horrible things. Maybe we're not doing horrible actions. Maybe we're not caught in some, or some thing that like is consuming everybody, everybody knows about. Maybe, maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's your words. 
Guilty. Guilty. And you know what I've found and I've had to learn the hard way? <laughs> it's the whole idea of if mommy ain't happy, nobody's happy. Um, I've learned too, for me personally, that if this ain't happy, I had this effect in a room that is not awesome. So I got to get behind Jesus. I got to get out of the way. I got to fix my heart. I got to find out what's ailing me so that my house can move forward, so that my house can be free. I'm not being critical. Men, women, boys, and girls, everybody in this room, and maybe you live alone, and <laughs> you live alone, and like you're affecting everyone in the house still. No matter what your home situation is, my challenge today, when I say, not my house, Satan, I'm actually talking to you. I'm talking to me. Like, may we get before the throne room of God. May we repent and agree with God of where we should be, how we should do it, and where we're putting our trust. May we see heavenly things and not just earthly things. May we not get caught up in the attitude of trying to control or be affected by the environment around us. May we see higher to, to stake a claim. Where's my... Come here. To stake a claim in the name of Jesus is not this moment of like, all right, just good attitude today. It's more than that. What, go, go deeper. What is really affecting you? What is really bothering you? I've had to search this recently, and when I stake a claim on the name of Jesus, I have to find out what's bothering me. I have to confess some sin. I have to reveal and agree with God that even though I'm a son, he deals with me as a son. And he forgives me as a son. And now, like even though he didn't forget me or wipe me out of the house, kick me out of the house. He receives me as a son, and he forgives me, and he challenges me to forgive. He challenges me to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring courage to those around me. You're wondering why everybody in your home, or everybody around you at work, or everybody around you at church, everybody around you is at the spot of discouragement. Maybe you're the stake. Maybe you're the one that's like, ah, I need to be in a place of declaring freedom and hope and peace. Maybe I need to forgive. Maybe I need to confess. Maybe I need to come before the altar and just confess. I'm not saying get up here and just like blurt it all out. I'm saying come before a holy God who's already forgiven you. Come before Jesus Christ who has taken and bleeded out for your sin and your mistakes and your shortcomings. The price has already been paid. Just like agree with it. Rise as he rose. Like come and confess and receive the power of resurrection. Not just the fellowship of his sufferings. Come to a place where you're completely set free that. And you know what? If you do it again and you mess up, guess what? Grace meets you there. Mercy meets you there. The Father will always receive you because you're a son. You're a daughter. That's how that works. That's how grace works. You're like, that's crazy. I'm like, yes! That's the gospel. It's crazy. Let us be the people that get to that spot where we're affecting everybody in the room in a positive way. We're the first to forgive. We're the first to apologize. We're the first to say, you know what? I messed up. I'm not where I need to be, but I want to go where I need to go. I want to go where God needs me to be. Because you know what? He already, he already staked a claim there and there and there and there. And it's all around me. All I have around me is freedom and hope and peace and joy and forgiveness. And why am I living defeated? Why am I insecure with what I'm doing? When who I really am, Christ has set me free. Sorry, I'm this total rabbit trail, but I want you to understand that. That we, in our relationships, not today, Satan, this is not like, okay, you're going to walk home today because the, the people you live with weren't maybe at church today, and you're like going to walk in and be like, hey, listen, everybody, not today, Satan. Not you, not you. <laughs> or like when you pick up your kids, you're not going to be like, not today, Satan. Not, don't do that, okay? Today I'm talking to you. Not my house. The house is you. It's your heart. It's your it's your head, it's your, 
It's, your, it's everywhere, every way that you lead, men and women. It's everything you do. Wipe the, wipe the scowl off your face. Be filled with joy. You're forgiven. You're going to live forever. Forever. And you're going to show up and you're going to stand before a holy God who's never messed up. And you're going to stand before him and you're going to be thinking the whole way down, oh gosh, did I confess that? Oh man, I'm so rotten. And you're going to fall on your face in, in humility because of what you've done. It's how we live. We feel guilt and shame. But he's going to meet you there. He's going to pick you up. And he's going to remind you that there's pleasures forevermore. There's no reason for you to be sad. There's no reason for you to be like picking on every little thing in Christian kingdom. Well, this church this, or this person this. Stop. If you're free and you're inside of what's been claimed, then be the hope. Be the forgiver. Sorry, maybe that was just for me. Maybe that was just for me. Get behind me, Satan. He challenges him. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He's talking to Peter. Peter was quite rebuked. He was corrected pretty clearly because he realized, as I did on that diving board, Peter realized that he was the enemy. It wasn't the people taunting. It wasn't Corey. It was himself. It was himself. Um, not my house. <laughs> so maybe it's safer for you to be on the roof. Maybe it's safer for you to be on the porch just claiming that over your family because what happens when you walk in the house? And you walk in the house and all those people that are in your life or that you work with or sit next to or friends with or married to or whatever, they know your flaws better than anybody. The system, the machine that God uses to show us our flaws, <laughs> they're called husband, wife, children, friends, family, etc., etc. That's the thing that shows us our flaws. But rather than fighting it, rather than being insecure about it, why don't we just stake a claim in the name of Jesus? Why don't we claim freedom even over our behavior, regardless of what the outcome is? Our soul is forgiven. And when our soul is forgiven, we may start to change. We may see Jesus, <laughs> he doesn't clean the fish before he catches them. He catches the fish and then he cleans them. And he's still cleaning us. He's still cleaning us. You got junk, you got dirt, you got all kinds of junk that you're like super convicted about right now. And you're like completely waiting to like run forward and confess before the Lord your sin. Guess what? That's a part of a relationship with Jesus. He's not wanting you to come forward so you're embarrassed or so he can like give you spankings or put you in time out. He's wanting you to come forward so you can be free. So you can be free. Who wants to be free? Anybody? Oh, man. Nothing reveals our flaws like family. So I want to encourage you today to lean into that. <laughs> That's hard. That's so hard. Be open to that. Not that they would nitpick or that you need to nitpick yourself. But today the pep talk Pep talk and a prayer. The pep talk is about you in the mirror. It's about you in the mirror. Talking to yourself. Getting close enough to look yourself in the eye and know what's ailing you. To know where freedom comes from. To know that you can be forgiven no matter what you've done. I've talked to guys that can't, I've heard, I remember, I will never forget them saying this phrase. I can't even look myself in the eyes in the mirror. So filled with shame. And Jesus lifts our head. He wants us to see ourselves. Because of who we are. Who he's made us to be. And where he wants to bring us. And the, the stakes that need to be claimed. In the name of Jesus. A few weeks ago. Um, a few weeks ago. I was after, after church. And my kids randomly. Like this came out of nowhere. They, my, my kids um, were gifted a set of golf clubs. Um, months ago. And they wanted to go golfing out in the woods. Why not, right? And so they made uh, stick square things to have a little driving range. And they were doing that. And I was freezing. So I was like, all right, guys, I'm going back. Um, I was out there for a while. came back. And when I crossed the creek 
um, I went to jump over the creek, and I didn't notice that there was this big thorn uh, bush branch right there, and it caught my face. And it, it's weird, but it felt like somebody punched me in my eye. And immediately I was being a typical guy. I was like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to bleed out. This is, I'm not going to make it. The house is like right there. Right? And so I'm like, oh, man, come on. And so I go up and walk in the house. And Bree's like, get over it, dude. You're fine. Um, she didn't say that, but she was thinking that. Um, anyways, I don't know if you guys remember. I had like uh, three or four like scratches. But the craziest thing about it is right under my eye, it was what hurt the worst, was this, it was the biggest sore um, and I'm sorry if this is gross, but it was, it was right under my eye, and it just like hurt. It started to swell a little bit, um, and about a week later, about a week later, um, all the other spots had kind of uh, healed and, and, and gone away with, but this one almost looked worse. Like, what's happening? And I got to the mirror, and I looked closer because I was going to try to like figure out what was going on, and I noticed that that was not a scab. It was a thorn. It was an actual thorn. Sideways. Like this way. Like not in like you could just see a dot. Like this way. So then all these thoughts, I'm like, oh my goodness. So I dug this thing out, right? And it was all, I lived. That's good. But then I'm like, oh, I'm like, what in the world? Like how does my wife and all these people I'm with all week, how do they not notice that I got like a thorn in my face? It's not like it's down here behind my head or something. It's like right under my eye. Do you not see me? Like what's, what's happening? Um, and then I'm like, how did, more importantly, I said, how did I not get close enough to see it? My encouragement today as we close, let this moment for you, like it's okay. Just scoot closer. Look close enough. Not just general, like, ah, I don't know, this has got something on your face. Like, get in there. Ask the Lord to reveal that. Because he wants to take that out. It's, it's just a hindrance in your life. It's just in the way. It's not going to kill you. You're fine. Just pluck it out. It's fine. Like, deal with it and move on. Because there's greater things to be done. There's greater things to be had in your life. There's stakes to be claimed in your life. But you have to, at times, at times, you have to move forward. You have to commit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And it's this one last thought, this one last challenge is this. And you may be here today for the first time. Uh, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm calling out this moment of, of reflection and repentance to find, to confess your sin, to, to, to deal with the things in your life. Because uh, let's face it, um, 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil is a roaring lion, and he's walking about, seeking who he's going to devour. I don't want to belittle for one second what he can do, and will do, and promises to do. He's a roaring lion. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced this morning that I'm supposed to give you courage. Give you courage to react and to deal with that lion. Because here's the thing. Many of us have staked a claim in each corner. All while that roaring lion is still walking about in your life. Wouldn't it be worth it to go to extreme to deal with that? Jesus wants to set you free from that. That. This is the courage I want you to have that's like, it's scary. It's so scary in our human sense. But in the heavenly sense, it's so freeing. This is the kind of courage I want you to have. Like, 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 like you get woken up in the middle of the night and, and like, Bree's like, ah, ah, what's the noise? Like, go down and check it out. Go downstairs, I hear something. Go downstairs and check it out. And like, yeah, I got it, yeah. Like, it's, a, it's that kind of courage. Like you may be going downstairs and there is a roaring lion walking about seeking to devour you. He will. But when you stake a claim in the name of Jesus, he's got to leave. As pastor came and read in Revelation, they shudder. They shudder at the name of Jesus. 
And what the, what, what the linchpin is, what the change, what the pivot moment is for you is when you claim the name of Jesus in your life. Claim it. Start in this moment. The power of Jesus. I'm confessing this sin before the Lord. Not my house, not my heart, not my head, not my family. But you know what? I can't even worry about them touching my family and my spouse and my kids. First, I have to be in a spot of confession and repentance before the Lord. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So as we close, I don't know what it takes for you to come forward, to kneel where you're at, to literally come grab this pole if you got to, and as a sign of, you know what, everything in my life, this thing in my life, I'm offering forgiveness. I'm offering hope. I'm offering freedom to myself. I'm not going to be consumed or controlled by what they say or what they do. I'm claiming the name of Jesus. I'm claiming his hope. I'm claiming his salvation. I'm claiming everything that he offers. It's free. It's ready. It's in the territory that you've already been claimed in. What if? What if? What if radical transformation happened in your life today? What if you extended forgiveness? What if you leaned in? What if you gave more of yourself? What if you trusted them again? What if you gave that thing another shot? What if? What if? Then you can say, not today, Satan. Would you stand? And just in this moment, have you just however you said, just to do business with the holy God who's ready and willing and happy to receive you.